Another episode of the Christians with Questions podcast, where we celebrate asking questions and wrestling with difficult topics, and of course, seeing what Christianity has to say about those topics. I am your host. My name is Josh Fultz, and today we are diving into another timely topic. And the listener asks, What should a Christian's role in politics be, especially when it comes to the elections this year? And here we are, right at 40 days from elections. Political ads are ratcheting up, tempers are flaring online, and I get a text at least once a week asking me who I'm voting for or if I will support a particular candidate. Now, political tensions are high, racial tensions are high, everyone believes they're right and that they have the correct view on all things political. Now, My goal here is not to rally around a candidate, but to answer the question, for the Christian, what is our role in politics, and to what degree should we be involved? What should we consider when voting, and why does any of it even matter in the first place? Now, the old saying is that a person shouldn't talk about religion or politics at a dinner party, and I think that is a most unfortunate saying because both are of utmost importance. And so let's dive into an awful, heated, controversial topic. Um, What is a Christian's role in politics? How should we vote? What does that look like? And so I think, first of all, it's important to note that as a Christian, we live in two kingdoms. Christians are in an interesting situation. We're part of two kingdoms, one being the earthly kingdom where we are commanded to be salt and light, where we are commanded to go into the world and tell other people about Christ, not because we want to bully them, but because we have found something amazing and we want to share it. Uh, That's how it works. When I find the latest and greatest thing, I want to tell somebody else about it, whether it's a new movie, a favorite restaurant, a new thing that I've discovered in the Bible, whatever it is. Uh, We are to be concerned with our fellow man. So we are a part of an earthly kingdom. The other kingdom is the kingdom of heaven, where we enjoy the benefits of being sons and daughters of the king. Certainly, this kingdom has been inaugurated. Christ has come, and his first advent, or his first um, trip into humanity, uh, where he took on human nature, and he lived among us, and he walked among us, and he died on the cross for our sins. Um, So the the kingdom has been inaugurated, but it is not completely established. That is to say, Christ will return a second time, and he will will set up an eternal kingdom. And so the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is already and not yet. We kind of live between, kind of live in the middle. Christ has established it, but it's not fully um, established as of yet. So we're a part of two kingdoms, one being the earthly kingdom The other is the kingdom of heaven. And so the Christian has to figure out how can we serve the kingdom of heaven while being involved in this earthly kingdom? And I think Christians can swing too far in either direction. One, either they do not involve themselves in the earthly kingdom at all, perhaps even for noble reasons. 
They may feel that God is in control, and they don't need to worry. But we know, through reading of Scripture, that God works through humans to accomplish His will. And so, like it or not, we are a part of an earthly kingdom. Some Christians feel that if they become too politically involved, they might offend someone. And so maybe the answer to that is not to be politically involved at all. They don't want to be offensive. But holding a viewpoint doesn't mean that you have to be offensive. I talk to people with different viewpoints than mine all the time, and some of them are very cordial, unoffensive, and we enjoy a great conversation. And then sometimes uh, it devolves into them getting very offensive and you know getting nasty and ugly about their beliefs. And I know you've experienced that as well. Um, but just because we hold a view, just because we stand up for that view, doesn't mean that we have to be offensive to somebody else. I think there is a balance where you can be a Christian, live out your convictions, and not be rude or ugly to somebody who believes differently than you do. So that's one category. Uh, the pendulum swing, perhaps, all the way to the left. Either they, you know, they just don't feel like they can get involved in politics at all because they may offend someone. Now, the other pendulum swing is Christians that get too involved in the earthly kingdom. That is to say, they spend more time on political or cultural issues at the expense of the heavenly kingdom. Um, or they feel like we can resolve all of mankind's problems by being politically involved and trying to eradicate all problems um, in society. And the truth is, as long as man exists, until Christ comes back, we will always have problems. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't work to resolve some problems, but it will be a futile attempt and we will get frustrated if we expect um, the effects of sin to stop having their impact. And so some Christians look to government or programs to fix what else society and their hope is misplaced. And so there's these two kingdoms, the earthly and the heavenly. And then there's these two extremes where we're either too involved in the earthly kingdom or we're too involved in the heavenly kingdom and we forget our calling and our mission here in the earthly kingdom. And so Christians have to learn to navigate as a person with dual citizenship, both earthly and heavenly. Now, if you read the book of Matthew, chapter 22, Jesus gets put in this situation. Of course, it didn't catch him by surprise, um, where the religious leaders say, Hey, Jesus, i got a question for you. Because, again, Jesus also liked to wrestle with questions. So they come to Jesus and they ask him a question and they say, Hey, um, should we pay taxes to Caesar as Jews or should we not? And they're trying to put Jesus in this, this double bind where whatever he says, it's not going to work out because they, they're thinking in their minds, well, if he says we should pay taxes to Caesar, all of the Jewish people are going to be up in arms about that view. But if he says not to pay taxes to Caesar, Rome is not going to be very happy with that, and they're going to deal with him. And so Jesus says, hey, anybody got a coin? And they hand him a coin. And he says, um, you know, see this Caesar? I mean, see this coin? And they're like, yeah, we see the coin. And he says, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and render unto God the things that are God's. And so uh, the interesting thing to me is you know, the coin itself had a picture of Caesar on it. And so Jesus says to give to Caesar what is Caesar's. That is to say, pay your due taxes. But we bear God's image on us, and so our lives belong to God. But you see here in Matthew twenty-two twenty-one, 21, Jesus 
establishes this idea, or I should say reinforces this idea, that we have dual citizenship, that we are involved in an earthly kingdom, but we're also a part of a heavenly kingdom as Christians. Now, obviously, for the Christian, the heavenly kingdom is our ultimate authority. So in conversations like this, the Christian has to find a way to live in between the tensions of these two kingdoms, earthly and heavenly. And the Christian must know that they're a Christian before they're a Democrat or a Republican. One party might align more with Christian values, or even one candidate might align more with Christian values than another candidate. But we as Christians are not a party, and we should be involved in the earthly kingdom as Christians. We're Christians before we're anything else. Christian is our core identity, not a political affiliation. The second thing I want to talk about is this. It's something known as the cultural mandate. The cultural mandate. Now, when God created the world, a cultural mandate was given. It goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, and it's specifically given in verses 27 through 28. And I'm going to read those verses to you. Genesis 1, 27 through 28, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. There's that idea that we bear God's image again. Verse 28, And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Nancy Piercy, in her book Total Truth, kind of gives us some commentary on this, and she says, In Genesis... God gives what we might call the first job description. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. The phrase, be fruitful and multiply, means to develop the social world. Build families, churches, schools, cities, governments, laws. The second phrase, subdue the earth, means to harness the natural world. Plant crops, build bridges, design computers, compose music. This passage is sometimes called the cultural mandate because it tells us that our original purpose was to create cultures and build civilizations and nothing less. And so, Christians, the job description um, is the same in regard to the cultural mandate. Yes, we are to be about kingdom business, heavenly kingdom business, but I mean, we are concerned about evangelism and sharing Christ with people. But we also have this cultural mandate, this job description that God gave us, and we should live it out. It hasn't changed. In God's creative acts in the book of Genesis, he brings order out of chaos. So it says the earth was without form and void, and God brings order to that. He creates. He sets boundaries. He makes things work in precision. And human behavior should mirror this act. We live in chaotic times socially. We should be concerned about bringing order out of chaos. Now, this shows up in many ways, the idea of bringing order out of chaos, whether it's designing, working, gardening, cleaning, building, organizing. And part of this is political as well. It's a concern with society. It's about the protection and betterment of our families and bringing order out of chaos. And so we live out this cultural mandate in part by being politically involved. And so moving on to a, a third idea, because I hear this a lot in regards to politics, it's the idea that you know we can't legislate morality or change hearts. And so some people feel like Christians shouldn't be involved in politics. Um, I, I hear that frequently from Christians and from non-Christians as well. Well, you can't legislate morality. 
Well, my question, pray tell, is what is legislation? Um, I mean, you part of legislation is you can't steal somebody's property. You can't kill someone else. You can't extort. You can't abuse others. Are these not moral issues? I would argue that pretty much most of legislation has to do with issues of morality. And so the question is, whose morality are we going to legislate? What morality will be legislated? Who we vote for impacts this. Now, I'm not saying that there is, you know, that morality is subjective or that there's different versions of morality. But I am saying that some people want to focus on certain aspects of morality or they may believe that morality is subjective and want to, um, you know, kind of tinker with morality a bit. And so for us as Christians, I think it's important that we know that who, who we vote for impacts this. Now, obviously, what happens in Washington is primarily downriver from what the public holds important. I realize that ultimately laws can't change a person's heart, right? But laws do help hold evil at bay. Laws also speak to what is acceptable in society. That is to say, if you remove a law, public opinion will see the government as endorsing certain behaviors. And so we as voters have a say. Christians have a voice. And I believe Christians are often far too passive here. We have to speak up. We have to speak up consistently with what the Bible says. And if you don't know what the Bible says, well, read it before you speak up or before you come politically involved or vote if you're a Christian. And I hear this too. Uh, well, what if both candidates are flawed? Well, this should be pretty obvious, I think. Uh, of course both candidates are flawed. Both candidates are sinners, and they'll always be sinners. Neither political party is perfect. Both are filled with sinners. Neither political candidate whether it's Senate, House of Representatives, um, presidency, whatever, um, neither of those is going to be a perfect person. They're both going to be flawed candidates because sin and evil touches every person and every system. And I hear some people say, well, I won't vote because both choices are bad. And I've also heard Christians quote Charles Spurgeon, who said this. He says, of two evils, choose neither. And here's what we need to know as Christians. This will be the same every election. Every political candidate will be quote-unquote evil because they're sinful human beings, because they're not perfect. No candidate is. And so we as Christians have to pick the one that aligns with Christian values the most. Now, let me give you an example. Let's suppose my family and I are driving home from Houston right at dusk, and I break down, our car breaks down in a dark alley in downtown Houston. It's getting dark. My kids are a little, you know, unnerved, and my wife is giving me knowing glances that says, hey, our situation's dangerous. What are you going to do about it? Well, about that time, let's suppose a prostitute walks up to my car window and says, hey, you guys look like you're in a bit of trouble. I know this area. You want to use my cell phone and see if you can get some help? Well, about that time that she's talking to me, there's a rap on my wife's window, and it's a criminal, and he offers us this instance. Now, in that moment, should I say, I know things, I can't choose either evil, I'm waiting on a Christian to come help me out. What an absurd way to look at things. Now, here, Spurgeon was speaking of sin. When presented with opportunities to sin, don't choose either. Um, but, you know, what about if someone were trying to kidnap one of my kids, and my option is to shoot the person 
or let them take my kids. I don't love either of those options, but if I don't choose one of the other of those bad things, there's going to be consequences. Or to give you another classic example, a train full of people is barreling down the tracks and it is going to crash um, and probably kill the lives of all, kill all the passengers. Now, unless I throw the switch, but if I throw the switch, the man working on the tracks will get hit by the train. Neither is a good choice, but I have to choose one. We are frequently confronted with moral choices where neither choice is ideal, and Christians must make the best political choice they have available. To think God is going to absolve us by us simply saying, hey, I didn't have a great choice, so I didn't make one, seems incredibly naive to me. So we should vote biblically and for whoever will best align with what Scripture teaches and whoever will implement policy that promotes life, you know, that celebrates the good, the true, and the beautiful. And I hear people sometimes say, well, I'll just vote third party. And I hear you. But basically, we are a two-party system, love it or hate it. The last third-party president was back in 1850. It's not going to happen. You have two parties to pick from, and unfortunately, that's just the way it is. So for Christians, what issues should be important to note? When we're considering voting, what should we take into consideration? What should we factor in? And honestly, all issues should be important to the Christian because Christianity has something to say about every topic. And so we have to look um, exclusively at each option, at each item on the docket, and figure out which candidate is going to work the best for each of these categories from a Christian perspective. And I was recently asked, um, I was having a conversation about abortion, and I was asked, well, are, are you just a one-issue voter? Is abortion the only thing that's important to you? And the answer is, I'm an all-issue voter. But let me say this, as Christians, if we can't uphold the rights of the unborn, if we can't protect and uphold the rights of the most helpless and innocent in our society, how in the world can we ever hope to uphold the rights of anyone else? This is a fundamental issue, and where a candidate lands here will, will hang me up before I can even consider any other issues. And at some point, perhaps we can do an episode on abortion in the future. Today is not that day. But the Christian should be concerned with issues of morality primarily because this directs every other policy. But some will say, well, what if the person I'm voting for has immoral behaviors? Vote for the best policy. Vote for the best policy. All candidates have immoral behaviors. Newsflash, you and I sometimes have immoral behaviors. Now, preferably who we're voting for doesn't have ongoing immoral behaviors, but honestly, our current political climate, that is a problem. There are ongoing immoral behaviors. But even if that's the case, I have to vote on policy and what is best for people and what best supports the Christian view of the world, what aligns with what God says. So, as Christians, we should be concerned with morality, I think primarily. We should be concerned with economics, immigration, religious liberty, bioethics, foreign policy. All of these things should be called to our attention. But obviously, some things are more important than others because some things are more sacred than others. Human life matters more um, than money, right? Um, morality matters more 
than uh, you know perhaps foreign policy. And so it's simple to find out where each party stands on all of these issues. But I think it's important for Christians, we shouldn't vote on how we feel or what is expedient or what is the least offensive or what's, you know, again, the easiest. We should engage biblically. What would God have to say about each of the issues on the table? And if we can't square voting, you know, for a candidate and what Scripture says, we shouldn't vote for that candidate. We have to educate ourselves on where candidates stand. And honestly, it's not a lot of research. But you also have to educate yourself on where God stands. And honestly, that doesn't take a lot of research. We have to read Scripture for what Scripture plainly says. And we have to find a balance between who we're voting for and what God's Word says. And so, last, I think it's important to note that God might call us to be involved at different levels politically. For some people, being involved politically is going to mean voting and being a voice. For some people, it's going to mean being an advocate for, for certain um, ideas. For some people, it might be being involved at a political level and running for office and truly seeking reform. Uh, but all of us should be involved in, at some level politically. Like it or not, you live in two kingdoms. Dual citizenship, live in both, but know the lower kingdom of earth serves the higher kingdom of heaven. And I think it's important, regardless of who gets elected, that we know the fate of our nation rests more on how the people of God live than who's placed into the Oval Office or into the Senate or the House. The way we live impacts for sure those who are placed in office but god can use his people believers to change the face of this country far more than he can use a single political figure so be involved live a truly biblical life and pray for our country and our leaders because believe me they need it they need it a lot and so that is a wrap on this week's episode. I hope it's just given you something to chew on and something to think about. If you want to interact, find us on Facebook at Christians with Questions. You can find our Facebook page. If you want to submit a question, we would love to have you do that. Find us on Facebook, shoot us a message, or you can email us at Christians with Questions Podcast at gmail.com. It's been really a privilege to see a lot of these questions float in. And we have some vast and varied questions. They are from A to Z, everything in between. And so we hope you keep tuning in and subscribe and follow us on Facebook. Until then, we'll see you next week right here on Christians with Questions.